the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the New Testament, when it talks about walking, it's talking about what we do day by day. It's a lifestyle. It's a statement of lifestyle. And our Christian lifestyle should be different than the lifestyle of the unsafe world around us. What's the well-worn phrase, walk the talk? Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's continuing in the book of Ephesians, specifically the fourth chapter. This is the second message in the series, and we'll share this with you today and tomorrow. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please go to our website at highlands.us. That's Highlands. US. Share with us the fact that you listen to the broadcast. We would appreciate knowing that. And now starting this second message in a short series, here's Pastor Layton. Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And when we were together last, we were studying the portion of chapter 4 that between verses 11 and 16 that focuses on, on God's design for the church and how Christians mature and we grow together. It reads, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this chapter, chapter 4, opens with an appeal to maintain, protect Christian unity. And then Paul goes on to clarify the way in which the body of Christ is built up. And now he's going to remind his readers about the kind of life they once lived and the fact that they need to make a clean break with the, with the past. We're going to pick our study up today at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity 
to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So learning how to live the Christian life is a process. And although we've been given a new nature, that doesn't automatically mean that everything we think, everything we say, everything that we do uh, is right. But if we keep listening to God, we're going to be, God is going to progressively be changing us more and more all the time. He's going to change us from the inside out. He's going to change our, our character and our values and our perspectives and, and our motives. And that change on the inside will affect our behavior on the outside. And so people should see a difference between the way Christians and non-Christians live by the way that they live. Now this section here, beginning at verse 17, appeals to believers to leave behind the old life of sin because we are now followers of Christ, and that should produce a radical change within us. Now let's look at the passage in greater detail. Beginning at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, in the New Testament, when it talks about walking, it's talking about what we do day by day. It's a lifestyle, it's a statement of lifestyle. And our, our lifestyle should not be like the Gentiles. Now, the word Gentiles here is a general reference to the unsaved. A Christian lifestyle should be different than the lifestyle of the unsafe world around us. And then it uses the word futility or futile. And what that really means is valueless. You see, the, the world around us makes decisions not based on eternal values, but rather what satisfies in the mo- moment. And, and their way of thinking, their way of valuing, their way of deciding uh, is, is futile as a result. And then the apostle says that their, their way of thinking, the unsaved way of thinking is futile because it is darkened. It's darkened. Now they think, they might think that they're enlightened because they've rejected that ancient old book called the Bible. And instead they're uh, enthralled with the, whatever the popular theories and philosophies might be. But in reality, they are really in the dark. They have darkened minds. Have you, have you ever tried to share your Christian faith with somebody? They might be very intellectual. They might be even very well educated. And they look at you like, where are you coming from? Well, it's not that they're stupid. They're not. It's just that, that they're, 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 their minds are darkened. You know, a supercomputer can have enormous uh, processing power. But if its operating system is defective or if the data is corrupt, then what comes out is not going to be of much value. And the human mind is the most powerful computer that was ever created. But the principle still applies. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. It has been said that physically we are what we eat. And spiritually we are what we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's why it's so important for believers to take every thought captive. That's why it's so important for believers to meditate in God's Word and prayer 
and in fellowship with Christ every single day. Now, if the other person is interested, of course we should give them a reason for the faith within us, but really the issue is not usually so much a matter of explanation as it is illumination. We need to ask God to turn on the lights. We need to ask God to bring spiritual light where there's spiritual darkness and spiritual life where there's spiritual death. We need to pray for their salvation. And then the next characteristic of non-believers is that they have hardened hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so the problem is not only intellectual, it's also willful too. That's why it's impossible to argue someone into the kingdom of heaven. People often reject Christ not based on any intellectual reason, but simply because they don't want to surrender their wills to Christ. They don't want to declare Him their Lord, their King, to make Him first. And, 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 and so unbelievers lose sensitivity to spiritual things and their spiritual condition. They, they eventually have no shame for their sin. They have no desire to get right with God, to have a good relationship with God. And and the logical next step for people who have lost spiritual sensitivity is to give themselves over to sensuality. That means they're preoccupied with physical physical things. They they indulge in every kind of impurity and have a a greed, a lust for more. They're never satisfied. What's the next thrill that we can experience? Now, it's helpful for us to understand the setting in which the Apostle Paul writes his letter Uh, to the believers in and around Ephesus, because the temple to the goddess Artemis, known also as Diana, was in Ephesus. And Artemis was the goddess of fertility. In her temple were temple prostitutes. And one month out of every year, they would throw a great big party that included concerts and feasts and athletic events and plays that were all created to provide opportunities for drunkenness and sensuality. You know, sin has a narcotic effect on people. It feels good in the moment. Uh, it's fun for a while, but it, 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 it begins to break us down and deaden us to what is really, truly right and good and true. Verse 20, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in, in Jesus. To know Christ is the greatest knowledge that anyone can have because that knowledge is the truth and that truth opposes what this world believes and what this world teaches. Verse 22, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And so though unbelievers live in darkness and sensuality, believers are taught to live a whole new way of life in Christ. And we've got to leave behind that old way of living. We've got to put off the old self. That that person was enslaved to sin. It it describes us in a a state of rebellion against God. We need to get rid of that rebellion against God. To um, the verb form corrupt is describing a continuous process. And and what it's saying is, is sinful behavior is corrupting. It's a process that leads to degeneration and death. It's like cancer that spreads and destroys. And the word, the verb to put off is in the aorist tense, which indicates a, a decision. Once and for all, we need to make a decision. Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. We're going to put off that old way of life. We're going we're to live for Jesus. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that as long as we're living and breathing, we're going to be tempted every day. And so not only is that decision a once and for all event, it's also a decision that we need to make every day. In fact, we may need to make it moment by moment through every day. Verse 23 and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, 
in true righteousness and holiness. And so we're said we're supposed to put off the old and put on the new. To be renewed describes a continuous activity. It's a continuous process of renewal to become like Christ. And that tra- process begins by a transformation of, uh, of our thinking in our mind. And it results in renewed behavior. And it says that the, the goal is after the likeness of God and describes characteristics of righteousness and holiness. You know, when we have a right relationship with God, it, it produces a right behavior and it also creates within us an aversion to sin. Now, it is true that for a time a Christian can fall into sin, but they will never actually be happy or content or comfortable while they're in it. Do you resonate with that statement? Well, whether you do or you don't, I hope you can join us for the conclusion of this message tomorrow as we wrap up the week and wrap up part two or message number two in this short series in the book of Ephesians. How is your December going? It's a little bit different, isn't it? A lot of things aren't happening that usually happen in December, but a lot of things are, and especially at Church of the Highlands. You'll find all those details on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Come back tomorrow for the conclusion of this series as we once again study verse by verse.